0: The Senate Appropriations Committee is out with its spending bills for 2023. The Defense Department is getting a larger increase than what the Biden administration proposed earlier this year. Now, if those bills pass, the Senate will need to square its numbers with the House version of the bill. Federal News Network's Scott Mascioni has the latest. And Scott, review for us what the top line numbers here are from the Senate for the Defense Department.
1: So the Senate is proposing quite a different number than what the Biden administration originally proposed earlier this year. The Senate Appropriations Committee brought out an $850 billion bill, which is a good bit more than what the Biden administration suggested. As I said, this is something that they're hoping will hedge inflation, will continue to invest against China and Russia, and then also taking into account things like supply chain and the war in Ukraine.
0: And where specifically would some of this plus-up money actually go?
1: Right. Well, you know, this is going to quite a few different things, but they've really named three different things, or actually four different things, that they think that this should specifically address. One of those is inflation. The second is space. The third is supply chain. And the final one is infrastructure. The bill includes $53 billion for inflation for acquisition programs, goods and services, and higher compensation costs, and another $10 billion is, is just addressing price escalation alone for unexpected rises and things like fuel, housing, and incentive pay. One of the other things with this is that there's going to be $2.2 billion for resilient space capabilities. That includes low-Earth orbit missile warning and tracking systems. There's going to be $4.7 billion for infrastructure. That includes $2.1 for facilities modernization, something the Defense Department's been struggling with for quite a while. And then finally, there's going to be some money for supply chain, and also $3 billion to increase readiness and $1.2 billion for medical research. And finally, $277 billion for artificial intelligence and cyber initiatives.
0: All right, so that's $850 billion from the Senate. What was the administration seeking, and what does the House bill say? Do we know those numbers?
1: As you know, some of these things get kind of tricky because you're bringing in funds from the Energy Department, funds from Military Construction, which is a completely different committee, So all told, this is about $850 billion, we'll say, for national security. That includes all of those. This is a whole encompassing thing. For the House Appropriations Committee, you can think of it as nearing about $800 billion. But however, the Defense Appropriations Bill itself is only $762 billion. Now, when we're talking about the authorizers, the House Armed Services Committee is suggesting $839 billion. And the Senate Armed Services Committee is suggesting $847 billion. So this is actually the largest that we've seen compared to all of those congressional suggestions. And then forgot to mention the Biden administration, which is, you know, the the original request that was about eight hundred and thirteen billion for national security itself and about seven hundred and seventy five billion for Defense Department and Pentagon alone.
0: So the top line total national security figure of eight fifteen or so that the administration wanted, that's eight fifty in the Senate version.
1: That's right. And, you know, this is something that I think the Defense Department may be fairly on board with. You know, when they put out this original budget, they hadn't really taken into account inflation, considering when they were doing this budget, inflation hadn't really hit as much as it has now. They were were thinking of things at a 2.2 percent inflation rate, while we're seeing between 8 and 10 percent now. So, you know, the Defense Department is flexible and has said in the past that they're flexible for the amount that they're willing to spend considering that prices are going up and fuel costs are increasing and all those sorts of things.
0: And what does the Senate bill say about some of the other issues? And I guess maybe those are in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is still not law yet, but appropriators have weighed in on some of the social issues, including abortion.
1: That's right. And this one is actually pretty large. What this bill does, and this is specifically within the labor bill of the appropriations committees, is that they're pulling out and repealing the Hyde Amendment and the Weldon Amendment. So the Hyde Amendment makes sure that only federal facilities can give abortion services to people who are uh, victims of rape, incest, or if there's harm to the parent. The Weldon Amendment, on the other hand, is more protections for people who are providers. They uh, don't allow the federal government to, what they say, discriminate against a provider who says that they do not want to provide certain services that would include abortion. So, you know, you can't pull uh, federal funding away from those people. By pulling this away, this would allow the Defense Department to provide services even in areas like Texas or Alabama, where the abortion bans have been quite restricted. So what this is really doing is creating a lot of partisan buzz within the Senate on if these these bills are going to get the support of both Democrats and Republicans. In the past, the Hyde Amendment and Weldon Amendments have had bipartisan support in terms of the amount of federal funding that can go toward reproductive services. So uh, this could be a thorn in the side for some of these Appropriations Committee bills. However, it's important to note, as I said before, that this abortion provision is not in the Defense Department bill. It is in the bill for labor. Either way... They could hold back possibly this one bill because of the abortion provision, and the Defense Department would still get the funding that it needs.
0: And again, the National Defense Authorization Act is not yet reconciled and not yet signed by the president. Is there any chance that this whole abortion issue that shows how national a concern the Defense Department is, even though it operates state by state, could anything go into the NDAA at this point, or are they too far along here?
1: There actually are a few provisions in there right now, and these may or may not make it through reconciliation. What they're doing is not going as far as repealing the Hyde Amendment or the Weldon Amendment. What they're doing is either reimbursing service members for the travel that they need to go to other states in order to get the services that they need, or giving them a little bit more privacy or time off if they do need these sorts of services. Basically, what we've heard is that people maybe in Texas or in Utah, if they need to get an abortion, will have to travel as much as 600 miles, which really is a long way to go if you need to take time off from work. And then also the amount of financial burden that's incurred. And then you have to take into account that they need some time for convalescence as well.
0: All right. So lots of Arguing, bickering, reconciliation yet to go here anyway.
1: That's right. We have a long way till uh, we have an actual budget for 2023 and an actual authorization as well.
0: Federal News Network. Scott Massioni. thanks so much. Thank you. And check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
1: Hello, I'm wife of CEO
2: Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. she has been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations, for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
2: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader? And what about them inspired you?
3: You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, And uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League Baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy. His name was Delbert Beiser. Stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do.
2: Angie, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you.
2: This has been the Lessons in Leadership Podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time.
3: This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips.